A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D. The Dead Poor Hitter tonight coming at you with uh, two special guests. Mr. John Posmo, recently inducted into the NFBC Hall of Fame for baseball, as well as Mr. Doug Gruber. Um, combined, these two gentlemen have won nearly a million dollars playing fantasy football and baseball on the NFC site. Um, pretty standout, accomplished players. Um, yeah, so basically I got a chance to pick their brain about their process going into draft season, in-season processes, um, fab, everything. Um, we cover a whole bunch of, you know, roster construction talk, um, how they assess players and just really, really good minds for the fantasy game. Um, and had a lot to share, which I'm extremely grateful for. I had them on the podcast um, a long time ago when I first started getting into the podcast game in the NFBC world. So I hope everyone gets some good actionable advice from this episode. I'm pretty sure you will do. And thank you for tuning in. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Today, I'm coming to you with some special guests. They were on the podcast once before when I first got started down this high stakes <laughs> venture. And um, they're coming back together again, talk about playing as, as partners and um, in fantasy baseball and how they dominate the, the rest of the competition. Uh, we'll start off with the newly... Um, announced Hall of Fame uh, NFBC player, Mr. John Posma. John, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Hey, hey, Rob. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, congratulations on that. It was pretty cool. I wish I was there. Um, heard so many good things about the weekend, of course. But when um, when I got the video and I watched your speech. It was pretty cool. I really thank you for saying my name and the podcast. <laughs> it was like, it was so wild. Like I, yeah. I, I was, I was really super, uh, super cool that because, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of direct messages on Twitter from people who like between the last two years, just saying, Hey, um, you know, I joined NFBC because I heard your podcast and I heard everyone talk about it. And you know what? I should really show, I should show Greg and Derek and Tom how many of those DMs I have. <laughs> but, um, you yeah. know, like, uh, I like, uh, it's cool that, you know, it's cool to be mentioned along with all the other people that you mentioned. But, um, I mean, tell us about that day. Tell us about, like, when, you know, you, you got inducted into this, uh, you know, 
Yeah, kind of crazy, Rob. Yeah. I never, I never thought that that would happen. And uh, I was extremely nervous, of course, and didn't really know, you know, I'm not the greatest speech writer in the world, and that's not really my scene. But uh, yeah, I just uh, relayed a few memories and uh, thanked a few people. And uh, yeah, it's such a privilege and an honor to, to be mentioned with all the others that are in the Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great group. And uh, I'm very thankful to be there. And uh, I appreciate your work, Rob. Uh, I was sincere in uh, giving you a shout out. I, I enjoy your podcasts and, uh, you know, I enjoy listening to other players talk about the process and uh, yours is just a little different than everybody else. And I appreciate that. Cool. Appreciate that, John. Thank you so much. The other gentleman we have here today is uh, no such light in his own right. Um, you see him all across the leaderboards as well, along with John um, in both football and baseball. But Mr. Doug Gruber, Doug, thank you for joining us tonight. How are you? Hey, Rob. Uh, great to be here. I admit that I'm a little nervous being here not only with the Hall of Famer, John Posma, but uh, the, the way you're killing it on the podcast and so many great players you've had on uh, here lately. I, I hope to add a little value, but uh, I'm honored to uh, be here with you guys tonight. Oh, of course, John. Uh, Doug, don't be uh, don't be nervous. I every time <laughs> every time I get on this mic, as much as I do it, I my my legs are shaking, and I I go back to my uh, my third grade extreme stuttering problem I had. So it's a it's a big thing I have to get over as well. So uh we'll work through it all of us you know um but absolutely so um i guess let's uh let's start off talking about how you guys um you know started down this venture of fantasy and you know um you've made it known for me that you guys play together in a lot of leagues so i guess maybe just talk about how you guys take your you know your strengths and your and your weaknesses if you guys have any and 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 make that work as uh as teammates yeah, so that's interesting, Rob. We, you know, we've both been playing for quite a while. I think Doug's got his own start with another CDM or whatever that thing is called. I don't know. He's like Hall of Fame there or something. But uh, uh, I, I started in NFBC, I don't know how many years, a very long time ago. Not, not the original uh, group that started, but uh, a few years later. And really, it's the only uh, contest that I play. Um, and uh, just... Over the years, uh, tried all the different contests, most of the different contests, and uh, had a fair amount of success in multiple uh, types of those contests. And uh, just over the years, I played a little bit more and uh, had a little bit more success over the last few years. And uh, yeah, just I really enjoy both uh, baseball and football. I enjoy the baseball a little bit more than the football, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great great time, and I, I enjoy it. Did you did, did you start a a football draft yet? Did you do one yet? <laughs> no, you know, I've been looking, I've been looking at the boards and uh, uh, another one of my buddies, Jack Hahn has sent me a, he's done several and he sent me a few draft boards trying to get me uh, to scratch the itch a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. I haven't done any yet. So uh, it'll come soon enough. I usually try to wait on football till July, August, August for sure. Or yeah, sometime in July usually is my first one, I guess. So that's coming soon enough. I have fantasy football muted right now. It's like the only <laughs> thing. It's like the only thing I have muted. But my friend Zach, you know uh, Zach Roto, oh yeah, who has a podcast. He, um, I saw a tweet of his uh, thing. 
thanking Greg and Tom for getting to talk about a football draft. And I'm like, oh, football draft. Come on. <laughs> oh, so one of the Rob, it's one of the hardest things really as to when to start football, right? Because we're so engaged in the baseball. Right. But we know that football is coming. And how much time we don't have enough time to do baseball with all the teams that we have, let alone start to uh, do <laughs> serious work on the uh, on the football. But uh, that's you know, but once uh, once we flip that switch, then it's you know kind of dual mode for quite a while. Right, right. That's that's very impressive. I can't even imagine I trying to find time to you know because it, it's it's not like you. It's not like you're just playing another fantasy sport. Ah, I'll just throw this in. Like you're, you're highly competitive in 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 you know in all the sports that you'll play, all the fantasy sports that you'll play. So um I can't even imagine trying to get to that uh you know utmost level of feeling comfortable of you know trying to get into high stakes fantasy league and football as well. So I give you guys a lot of credit for that. Something I don't think I'm ready to uh you know. Uh, because I thought about it, I read the tweet, and I'm like, you know, if I were to do it, like when, <laughs> when, when would I realistically have to start? And then I saw, you know, like Zach talking about football, and I was like, oh man, I'm like these these, these guys have been doing draft for months already. <laughs> I would get toasted, you know. So, well, the, uh, the advantage the advantage we have over you, Rob, um, is you know we're we're ancient. <laughs> We've been uh, doing this for a long time. And so, you know, it's new players, but it's like a process that we, uh, that we know what to follow, whether it's baseball or football, and it's served us pretty well. It's not always going to be successful, but more often than not, it has been. And so, you know, once we flip the switch, you know, we're, we're really not trying to figure out how are we going to approach it? It's just how to, uh, apply it to this year's teams, this year's players and, and whatnot. Super impressive. Very impressive. I might have to, uh, maybe we'll do like a separate podcast and you guys just, just like tell me how to transition into football and what to do. It'll be my first football uh, podcast. We'll just, <laughs> I'll bring you guys back on in like two weeks and we'll go into football talk. But um, yeah, no, so you, <laughs> you mentioned how 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 long you guys been playing the game. And I guess, so when did you first, um, you know, decide to, you know, play um, join join powers and play as teammates. Um, I played in a teammate league last year with Jenny Butler, and um, we did good. We were half a point out of first, and it was fun. Like I, I learned a lot from playing, um, from playing with another person who has you know great skills and um, a great approach, and it was good. It was I I just learned so many things in a small small amount of time of. Uh, also too, because I think it keeps, it kept me in check a lot of the times too, when um, maybe I didn't like a, a player on the bid list for a free agent, but I had to remember in my head too, that I wasn't, you know, making all the best, you know, recommendations right. for pickups either, you know? So when that clicks in your brain and you're like, all right, you know, like um, I, I have to, I have to just trust that she found something that, you know, working out for this player too. So I learned a lot, but tell me you guys about, you know, how you started down that path and how, you know, how it works. Uh, that's an interesting question, Rob, because most people think we do partner on teams and we actually don't, we don't co-own any teams together. So uh, we, we <laughs> each own our own teams, but we collaborate together uh, 
in managing and uh, when it comes to free agent, a little bit of discussion. Uh, but a lot of the prep we do together, um, it's, you know, we track our teams together, but we don't, uh, we rarely set a lineup for each other. We rarely done fab for each other. It's just, uh, we have our own teams. We kind of have our own systems, uh, different approaches a little bit. And we can get into that a little bit probably, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, yeah. So we, we each have our, we kind of mirror each other in terms of how many we take. Uh, we, we do. Uh, you know, a few main event teams. We try to do some auctions and then we do some online teams and we start with some DC teams, uh, December, January, February, something like that. But, uh, I don't really know when, uh, maybe Doug can remember better, uh, when we started, uh, collaborating a little bit more and, uh, we haven't competed against each other. I think we're in one DC together, maybe Doug, but other than that, I don't think we're in any other leagues together right now. Yeah, I mean, which is the fun one, you know, on New Year's Day, which is long before. (laughs) So that's my annual New Year's Day donation. But, you know, Rob, what, you know, what John said, um, so it makes it a little easier because we're not actually debating who to take or, you know, anything along that line. So we will often be signed into, you know, one another's drafts after having prepped, but then the other person is really just suggesting that, uh, you know, maybe you're light in this category or you're light, uh, you know, at this position. And here's the list of players that we've talked about, uh, just just so you have them front and center. And, um, you know, just so that that person can look at it, uh, you know, to consider when it comes time to, you know, make that selection or that bid even when we're together in Vegas you know we might help each other track you know the draft but it's it's more just pointing out uh you know here here's guys that we uh, prepared for that are still available that uh, you know to have on your radar screen I interesting so it works just by you guys you know just you know, having all these ideas and you, you know, throwing back at each other and, you know, and, and just basically talking to each other about everything possible. And so not really teaming up playing together, but just like having a, like a team approach to, you know, um, helping each other out in ways. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, a, yeah. good example, a good example might be the uh, main event in Vegas, you know, and we're there together and this year I wasn't able to make it. But we'll, you know, we'll meet for, you know, in the morning earlier, we'll look at each other's uh, draft position and we'll kind of outline what's the game plan for, you know, both of us, not just for that draft, but to try to, um, you know, balance it against the other teams. And then we leave there with, you know, kind of the plan and it's not unusual for us, you know, at least for me to have, written down in my ideal world, you know, who would I take at that position, at least through, you know, the first eight, 10 rounds before that all kind of uh, melds together. But we, so we do a lot of that prep and, you know, I think most important is we feel good that we're heading into uh, those drafts, uh, you know, with, with a predetermined plan in in place. Have you guys ever had a situation where one of you Mm -hmm. has to gone and say, you're totally off base here. <laughs> oh, we so, got you know, <laughs> John has this, you know, he doesn't really come out and say that. 
he would say something really nice, like, you know, I never really considered that guy. <laughs> or, you know, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, that, uh, you know, you're looking at that correctly. So then I make a note. The, the Hall of Famer here says, uh, don't do it. And, uh, and it's a very powerful, very powerful message. Oh my God, that's classic! I feel like one of those two things could definitely be the name of the podcast. <laughs> You're not looking at that correctly. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, I mean, we'll get into this, but it's like you know, John keep we keep track of lineups every week and so forth, and I'll get a note to say, "Wow, you still have so and so on your teams." <laughs> And not only am I like embarrassed that I just got the message, but immediately, I immediately go to the fab page and put in a bid to drop him, even though it might be five days away. I think this week it was Elias Diaz. <laughs> Doug, what do you have Elias Diaz on your team for yet? <laughs> and his, his classic response is, well, I put in a queue to drop him. How long was your queue, Doug? Oh, three players. Okay, Doug, you need about eight. <laughs> I know. If you really my only revenge get... on yeah. my only revenge on that, Rob, is since I have finally dropped him five weeks too late. He's now, <laughs> hit, two, he's now hit two home runs and a triple since I dropped him. So I, so the burden of uh, Diaz being on my team has now been released, and he's free to you know go to uh, to go produce now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, a, that's what's gonna work. This is this is why I held on to him the whole time. You're gonna tell him, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's too late now. I dropped him everywhere, and now he's finally had a good week. Yeah, go figure. Leaves leaves Colorado having a good week. <laughs> but back, but back on, to on the, the on the road. Yeah, yeah yep. right. Oh, but back to the beginning. You know, the collaboration happens early on, right, Jenny? We'll have a couple off-season in-person meetings. Uh, we. We meet halfway in between. Uh, I'm in Chicago area. Doug's in Detroit area. We'll pick a spot and we'll do a few sessions off season uh, and just review uh, different things and catch up on players and studies and resources and that kind of thing. And then, uh, and then during the season, we do the same uh, a couple of times a year. And uh, I think that that helps us uh, strategize and uh, we determine which teams can make a move yet, which ones are, uh, we better be. We better start playing for the league in this one. We're not going to get an overall on this one and that kind of thing. So, a lot of strategy. We're it doesn't. There isn't many days that go by without some sort of texting or communication about the team. So, that's really cool. I feel like um, now that I'm hearing what you guys do, it's kind of like how when I, you know, I talk with Phil and Steve Weimer and Toby. You know, we have a little chat that we just bounce stuff off of each other and it's pretty much the same thing. You know, it's just getting to talk, you know, with people that you trust about their, you know, about the way they approach the, um, and the work they put in, you know, it's not, uh, we're not just throwing up, throwing out stuff, just, you know, fully, right. uh, full blind, you know, everyone's doing their own data, their own dives and, um, you know, but unfortunately, the bad part of that is, you know, when you should, you know, when you're like, oh, you know, Phil drafted all, all, that guy everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But but when you when you have a guy you like and then also three other guys you trust, like, are like, oh, I love that guy, too. It's almost like 
you feel a lot better about that, you know, about that player, you know, and um, vice versa. You guys could all, you know, be a hard no on a, uh, a player. And it's just, you know, um, a good way to um, keep yourself in check as well. When, you know, I will get that. Uh, don't pick up Luce Trevino again, Rob. You know, like I'll get one of those <laughs> where they know I'm ready to pick up Luce Trevino and they're like, stay away. You know, don't right. do it again. So you kind of learn each other's tendencies and, and like you said, you give you, you give yourself some subtle warning uh, that you're not doing the right thing, you know? So that's pretty cool. Um, so how would you guys explain your um, your drafting styles? Like, um, you super aggressive? Are you, you know, just, um, what do you, what do you, how would you guys explain it? Uh, well, I guess we'll start with just the prep that we do. We're, neither of us do our own projections in terms of, uh, you know, player projections, we were more Babs type approach, I would say, uh, skill-based. Um, yep. In fact, Doug does a little writing for Babs, so we, we I get to read his articles, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is yep. great. And uh, so, uh, you know, we've kind of taken that approach over the years, more and more, I would say. We're both highly, uh, I would say, analytical and math-minded, but yet um, we don't really go after the projection um, we don't project uh, uh, statistics and we choose to use the skill-based uh, uh, approach. And then uh, from there, we, we decide which players that we like in certain ranges. And that's kind of the approach we take uh, in terms of identifying the players at, up front. And I got to say, John, um, I, you know, I love Babs too. I go to babbaseball.com, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's a picture of Doug and it says the experts, right? <laughs> and it says Doug Gruber has been playing rotisserie and CDM for nearly 30 years. He has won several contests in baseball, golf, and football. That's pretty freaking modest. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, come on. I, I think I think got to talk to Ron, uh, Doug, and get that, you know, spruce that up a little bit, you know? Well, I was only allowed to use 50 words. I stretched it to 70 like I always do in the articles, and then he still edits it. So it's, it's, it's all good. Oh, I would man. say on our draft styles, um, first of all, you know, there's I haven't met everybody. There's so many good players, as you know, in the industry, and you've had many of them on. But I would say without a doubt that, you know, John Posma is the most prepared person when it comes to being ready for a draft. And he has elevated, you know, my preparation to a new level because I thought I was really a prepared, detailed guy. And so we've just uh, lifted that to, you know, new, you know to, to new levels, I think. Um, you know, we have a little bit maybe different styles. I lean, and it depends. I lean a little more pitcher heavy. I I don't like to chase closers, you know, during the year. I think I can find more hitting later in the draft than, than earlier. But when you really look at our teams, we all end up with, you know, a combination of all, all of the above. So it, it isn't like, you know, you can look at all of our teams and say, yeah, that's a John team or that's a Doug team. Um, it all kind of depends on how it falls. And we have, we have a combination and 
um, you know, usually the discussions around, you know, how much starting pitching, you know, where, where to take catchers, where to take, you know, relievers is kind of the big questions that everybody faces. Yeah. So Doug for sure is heavier pitcher than I am always, almost always <laughs> earlier catchers as well. Um, you know, if he, he needs a bunch of yellow up top, otherwise he's not sleeping good. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you like to get the premium catchers? Uh, Doug does. Yeah. 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 I like that move too. I don't, I just, I sleep better at night and I have good catchers. <laughs> well, this year, this year is, I mean, I think it's paying off this year. Um, well, depends which ones you got, of course, but that, that like Contreras, right. And uh, even real mood too is doing all right. But yeah. And I guess another difference, uh, Rob would be that I tend to take more players. I, I'm, than a wider range of players than Doug will. Doug focuses on his certain group of guys, and uh, he'll get that guy on sixty uh, percent of his teams or something like that. Where uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have a little wider range. You know, Doug will say, "Hey, this guy's hurt. You got him. Oh, I got him somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I do have a little bit more wider range. But there's certain avoids, though. We both avoid certain players for sure. There's there's a few. We don't go Casey Cha style and cross off too many names, but uh, uh, over the years, I would say we we leaned a little bit more that way, uh, just not taking certain players. And uh, but Doug's a little more on that than I am, I would say. Yeah, agree, like Doug? even even when the price drops, it's just hard nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, our experience is, you know, the price is all relative, and so more often than not that if the price falls too far, then maybe, um, you know, there's a reason for that. So, you know, we don't, you know, in my, in my analytics, you know, ADP does not translate to, you know, value of the player. That's just the market price that gets set, you know, really early in the year. And that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, around four or five player, you know, is, is better than around seven or eight player just because uh, there's, you know, 75, 80 drafts to, so, to substantiate that. So, uh, you know, we try to keep that in mind and we really try to build our teams with, uh, you know, the balance across all categories. And, um, and we're very cognizant of ADP because we, we need to know where, where, uh, where players are going but it's not really what, uh, what drives us. And, and we try not to overreact to, you know, players that have a lot of helium or players that are uh, dropping, you know, and say, wow, all of a sudden I got a bargain here. Right. Right. Who, who are some of the, um, who are your, some of your bigger, like, you know, Babs hits so far this year? Um, Cause I know I, it's, it, it always leads me to, um, I love it for finding like mid-timers, um, part-time guys that are just showing the skill and you just, you know, when they get the chance or when they might get the chance for PT, um, you kind of know a little bit, you know, you can be a more, like a little more aggressive because you know the skill foundation is there and it's always led me to some um, beautiful picks, you know, in my, in my first ever Roto 
keeper league um in the third year i believe in it it led me to jram you know at a very very early age um it it loved jram um it was like when he was more like a a, a hit tool kind of guy but there were you know it, it it showed the pop was there you know and um i remember making a a dollar bid for him and he was on my team and responsible for so much of my success, you know? So it's, it's a great system in, in able to identify those talent, you know, those talent guys. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, examples for, for me, you know, first base was always, you know, what, what to do there. But um, I think we've been pleased more so, you know, pretty much that, you know, see our teams with either CJ Crone or Reese Hoskins have been doing, you know, pretty well. And, you know, we could get those guys in the eight, nine, 10 round range, as opposed to uh, reaching for several of the first basemen early. Now, now I felt better, you know, when Goldie was hitting, you know, one, 160 after the first month and, saying and I was glad that I passed on him uh, but now, now that he's an MVP candidate as hot as he's been so you know maybe maybe waiting on these other guys wasn't as great but you know at then it, it seemed like avoiding a couple of those guys early was the right thing to do I would say one guy uh, um, I don't remember what he graded out on Babs but Tyrone Taylor was a was a guy that uh, flashed the skills and the I targeted him quite a bit and just needed an opportunity to play. And it's come, it's come true now recently that he's playing every day. So there's a few of those for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, another I was one it- for me was I had a lot of Harrison Bader, you know, who really looked like a guy that could, uh, you know, be a late speed source. And, you know, the question was always where was, was he going to play all the time? We thought he would because of his defense, even though they had a, a lot of talent in that team. So, um, you know, having 14, 15 steals already from a guy, you know, you get in the late teens has as, as certainly helped in, on many teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first base thing, it's funny you mentioned that because the first base thing I think was really where I've um I focused on that the most in the offseason um because it made my decision kind of uh more simplified and it kind of um I think first base was it was weird but first base was a position where not only was Babs lining up for my my approach but like the projection systems too like when I looked at the SGP it was the same thing it's a, it was kind of screaming out the same thing the same kind of approach for first base and so I like when two things that I like to look at kind of like you know uh, merge in that way but and my very first DC of the year um, in November, I took Goldschmidt um, because he he went like pretty decently late, and I'm pretty happy to get him. But it was the only time I got him because after that, it was all Hoskins, Hoskins right. and Josh Bell. I got a ton of Josh Bell um, when when I didn't get Hoskins. If he went a little earlier than um, I was hoping to get him, I fell back to a lot of uh, Josh Bell, uh, especially in the main event. So hopefully he picks up that power. But I like everything else that he's doing um, for sure. Um, about about fifty percent of our preseason uh, talk is arguing over the Babs ratings on guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, like, how is this guy an ass? He hasn't stolen 
oh, but he's got some triples or whatever. I, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what the formula is, but uh, then Doug uh, reels me in and says, you know, this is why this isn't Ron. This is. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Um, oh, man, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was uh, a speed rating for Mancini. It was something. <laughs> yeah. was, was it? That, was that the one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh my! I remember that too in my head. I didn't talk to you guys about that, but that was one of the ones in the preseason. I was definitely looking at, like, whoa, hold on a second, what did I miss? You know, but, yeah, um, that was the, that was the year before, and you know, David Peralta was another one. So there's always these outliers, of right? Right. Somebody who's got one stolen base in the last three years. How could they not be an S? And a Mike Trout or Soto, who you know is going to at least get eight or ten. Yeah. Right. Why why aren't they in this? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, those are I mean, those are on the the beauty of Babs is you know, guys are in ranges. So you know you yeah, you kind of know and um look, you know, you're if you know that if you take a soda or a, or a trout, you're probably gonna get a handful. But you know, if you look at trout over the last few years when he's been hurt, you know, he's stopped running and you know, Soto doesn't seem to be doing a lot here uh, lately uh, either. So, I mean, so there is some, there is some numbers behind those ratings. It doesn't always right. pan out that way. So. Right. Yeah. I and, just, I do it more just to rile them up, but it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like what you mentioned about just the Rangers in general. I think when I first was getting into the analytic game and just learning most of uh, my approach from baseball HQ and then Babs, it, it was, just because you know, like, um, you can get, you could say Mike Trout can hit 38. If he hits 35, you're not surprised. And if he hits 45, you're not surprised either, you know, because that's his range of, you know, we can try to get as perfect as we can, but sometimes it's just, you know, we, we know we can't, you know, so it's yeah. uh, that simplistic approach. Um, and just, uh, you know, I'm very, I was, I'm very drawn to that because um, it just gives you a quick, Quick indication. And, and like I said, I love it for like, you know, some quick sleepers. Um, I think when the main event came up, it was just like, it was one of the things I focused on just going through the bottom of the, you know, of the pool of, uh, of talented players. Um, and I, I know with the, with the Tyrone Taylor, he was just like, whoa, you know, he's like, it was like last year with Trevor Rogers. I remember he was so high and that's what like, wow. And, you know, yeah. it's like just to be all over a player like that. And it, it, it comes through as well as our, you know, our, our Babs MVP, Brent Suter, um, you know, can't forget <laughs> about him. You know, he, he's a superstar. <laughs> yeah. There's, al there's always going to be relievers that do that. You just, it's really hard to pick which ones are going to yeah. be the middle relief, you know, right. Absolutely. So, Stimber, so, right? so can you guys break down like what, what your, what your typical week is of, of, of playing fantasy? How, you know, how do you break about your week of attacking fab, uh, yeah. lineup setting, all that fun stuff? Like, yeah. So, yeah. So this is the part I love, right? So I, I, the preseason is good. Drafting is fun, but once opening day starts, that's like the best. And uh, the in-season part is, uh, is where I feel like uh, we probably have our strength and uh, we, we, hopefully draft as, as well as anybody else. And we're in the ball game and we pick, you know, a fair amount of the right players and we have decent balance and all that kind of stuff. But then the season starts and injuries happen and playing time changes and fab happens. And 
it's just an opportunity. We view it as an opportunity to really gain on the field over the next 26 weeks, right? So we got to we gotta try to improve our team every week, set the right lineups, make the right decisions at fab time, and hopefully by the next week we have a little better team for the rest of the season. And the next week we can make another improvement. And uh, it's just taking that week-by-week week, uh, uh, approach that I think uh, – helps us and we stay focused on that in terms of how you know once I guess let's start with the fab um, I don't really start that until Sunday uh, I know some people do it all week uh, they use the watch list I, I will use the watch list to put some players in the watch list but really I, I don't start till Sunday on the fab and uh, and we do we each have about I don't know 15 to 20 fab leagues something like that I was gonna uh, so- I was just gonna ask guys that lot because <laughs> You have a lot 15, to do. To, 15 to 20 fab teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something like that. I, I got a little more. Missed, I think he's missing five or six. So <laughs> something like that. 20 to 25. So, but, yeah. All right. Yeah. Something like that. So something uh, like that. it does take a little while, but you know, it's a, it's a good, uh, I, I find uh, that you, you pretty quickly identify the players you're looking for in the 15s. Obviously I use a bunch of resources, right? Um, Vlad puts his article out, which is great. I, I read the Rotowire guys that uh, they do their fab articles. Zimmerman puts out a nice article on fan graphs. Um, and then uh, I also look at Rasball's pro- projections for the following week. I, I don't know that he puts out an article. I have, if he does, I haven't really seen it. But I do look at uh, pretty early on, he's got project- projections for the week on hitters and pitchers. And I take a look at that, and as you go through them, you can kind of in your head say, oh, this guy is probably available, or this is probably a free agent in a 15 or a free agent in a 12. And you kind of make some notes on that as well. And, uh, you, you know, and, and then we, we do – so then you put your bids in and you double-check your bids and all that kind of stuff. And then for me, on Sunday uh, after 9 o'clock, I don't even look – I don't look on who I won until Monday. I don't even look at it till Monday morning. I, Monday morning I uh, – I check and see, oh, I figure it's not going to change overnight, right? So uh, it'll probably be the same on Monday morning. So I check it, <laughs> I check it Monday morning. And then uh, Mondays is a, is a big day. Monday, you know, the first I get up super early, I don't know, 4.30 or 5 o'clock and plug in all the stats. So we, we track each team's stats uh, for each week, uh, what, they, what they, the amount of stats that they accumulated in each category for the week. We compare that to what the target was for the week. And then we uh, have another column that accumulates the, that week with the previous week. And then we can see if that's on track for the year. Uh, we know that after week three, we should have however many, uh, 137 RBIs or whatever it is. So, uh, um, so we, and then we get a little fancy, maybe we make it turn red or green if we're on track, and, um, that kind of thing. Not so fancy, but uh and then uh, we categorize the points we have in each category and total points. And then a nice summary page of all of our teams and standings. And we, we always, unlike Gecko or some of these other guys, we are always looking at standings. We're always watching baseball. We're always looking where we're at, where we're at in the league, where we're at overall, what percent of points we have in each category, in each contest. Uh, it's all it's all there. Um, and then another I Go find ahead. that I find that that's bullshit. In fact, I picked up something on your uh, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I, I think uh, on your last guest, um, 
uh, Nick in um, Slack. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. I, I picked up one of the tidbit on what they were doing, so I quickly incorporated it to my sheet. So thanks, uh, Brian, for uh, I think that's his first name, right? Brian Slack. Uh, yeah, Brian Slack. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Good team. Uh, anyway, I picked up they. they you know, we always did 80% of the projected. Well, you could really just do 80%. You know what uh, 80% of the category is in real time each week because the NFBC puts the points on there per week. So you can figure that out. So we made a little adjustment on that. And then we have another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just, yeah, I had that. I, I just wrote that, that as a question, yeah. like how, yeah. how you, how you alter that to the, to the, um, to the like the new run environment, you know? So you're just right. taking it. Yeah. You're just taking it versus what's happening now. Yeah, so then, what we do, we do the 80th percentile based on what happened last year in the main event. So yeah. we start with a base, a basis. And then, you know, we probably don't change it till we get 25, 30% into it. And then we say, okay, for sure, runs are going to be higher or ERA is going to be lower or strikeouts are going to be higher. And we'll make a small adjustment so that it's more in line. Uh, we don't want to just mm-hmm. change it every, every week, you know, in terms of the target. So it, it stays pretty true. Uh, whether it's, you know, if we move it and we're at 78% instead of 80%, it's not a big deal. We know what range we need to be in. So our, our goal is to be 80% of every category, right? And if we can do that, then we're going to, we're going to be a top 10 or top five or maybe win it. So uh, if we choose, if we aren't going to be there, we'd rather be lowest in saves and steals. At least that's my opinion. And uh, those are the easiest to catch up and we can find some stuff later to catch that. Um, uh, but I think quite a few of the past overall winners have been like, you know, 50, 60% on stolen bases or 50, 60% on saves and still have won it. Um, and then we have another tab that's all about our rosters. And really that's, that's the, that's one of the things that we, we continually update our rosters. So each team's got a column uh, on the left is the catcher, first base, third base, second base, shortstop, right? All the positions. And then we, we constantly make sure we've got enough players in the right categories. We highlight them in red if they're hurt, orange if they're kind of hurt, and they could be heading for the IL, blue if they're in the minors. And then so when it comes to fab time, you can automatically see that, uh, hey, you've got a player that's that's at risk of missing this week or you've got these many. I, I don't even look at my roster sheet in terms of my NFBC. I'll, I just go off of my spreadsheet and uh, – uh, and then the fab. So I got my spreadsheet in front of me with my fab uh, uh, page open. I, I never go to set lineup because I kind of know which pitchers I've got and which ones are good. And, and then on the pitching side, we rank them, right? So we have, we attach some rating to them so that we kind of know that a, uh, we've got HQ rank. Uh, well, we can either, we usually do pitcher list rankings for our pitchers. So, uh, you know, Cole, we know he's the number one pitcher and, uh, uh, Gossman is 17 and, you know, uh, Whitlock is 84, but he's hurt right now. So then when it comes to dropping a guy, we kind of, we have a basis for what the rating is for the rest of the year. And, uh, we don't want to drop a guy. I'm more guilty of that than Doug for sure. Drop a guy too early. But, um, so it gives us an idea of rest of year. And we do that on the hitters too. We do, I use Rasball rest of year rating player rating as well as uh, HQ rest of season rating. So we kind of got a dollar value of, Hey, this guy for the rest of the season, these two sites project this. It'd be really dumb to get rid of that guy. If it's like $8 or whatever, you know? And uh, so those are just a couple things that tools that we use on that sheet. 
And then, so that's Monday. <laughs> and then we got. Oh my then, God. Then we set lineups, like, right? <laughs> then we set lineups. And obviously, we use some tools for picking our pitchers, right? Twos for the week, right? So we use Raz, uh, um, the pitcher streamer, whatever thing that's called. I also use HQ. <laughs> yeah, Streamerator. That's it. I also yep. look at HQ's grid, you know. And like this week was the perfect example. I really struggled what to do with McKenzie. And, uh, you know, yeah. HQ had yeah. him as a pretty good start at Minnesota. It was like a 0. 0.4, 0.5. It was positive. But Raz had him way down. I thought, oh, who's right on this one, you know? Well, it turns out Raz well, was right on this one. But <laughs> not always. But, you know, it's just we use those as guides. Uh Doug's got much more uh, <laughs> that goes into uh, wait till he tells you how he picks some of the guys. I mean, he studies the schedules to the nth degree, Rob, just wait till you hear some of this stuff, but uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So we set lineups Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, you just watch the stats and glean information, change your color codes on your sheets. Friday, of course, another lineup setting day. And then Saturday, nothing and then uh, Sunday we start again so that's kind of how it goes for me anyway nice nice I, I I like to pretty much use all the tools that you mentioned and then recently about a month ago I added an, another tool I started to also use the bat projections um, oh yeah yeah, I'm Derek nice. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um good good projections. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I once I um I really love Jeff Dimmerman's articles in the preseason on fan graphs about which which of a projections were doing, you know, better at what. And then um, you know, uh we like to keep track of that too in our chat and and it's it's something we're always talking about, you know, and it's just something else to add to to the repertoire uh i agree i love i love looking at the bhq um pitcher ratings of the week and mckenzie yeah i got i got hit with him too um <laughs> this week i would i was actually just a little aggressive with him i think too much like even though two like two of the tools said no i my head said just go for it but um and he minnesota, pitched so well in colorado the week before right the start I know, before he was i know he was good so, minnesota's yeah. just been a tough team to bat against yeah. but i just we you know, just really have to. Um, so if I would have listened to Doug, he probably would have told me, John, Minnesota is coming. They're at home and they're ready and they're rested. And what's the, what's the story, Doug? Why was McKenzie bad? Because it's a home run hitting team and McKenzie gives up too many home runs. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> I should have asked him. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I would have started McKenzie also, uh, and I don't own him, not because I didn't want him, but it never worked out. But um, hey, Rob, let me summarize to say, I would say that the spreadsheet that John, you know, manages for us is the finest tool that, you know, may be out there. He could probably market it if he was like, he could write books, he could do lots of stuff with this. I mean, we've refined it together. Um, one of my favorite parts of the spreadsheet, which is funny because I'm a math guy, is we also color code it, you know, on the stats, you know, red and green. So you don't really have to look at, 
<laughs> the exact number. All you got to do is glance at it and say, you know, this team is red on seven out of 10 categories heading into this week's fab. And you know, visually as to, uh, you know, if you're going to lean somewhere in terms of, you know, where to, uh, to make moves, it needs to be in, uh, in these categories. And, and then, and that's not only um, per the 80%, but, uh, you know, looking at it from an overall perspective uh, here as well. So, hey, so I know we've talked about the week. The one area that I differ a little with John, and we differ in a lot of ways, is I spend more time on the weekly lineups than I do on FAB. Okay. And I think most people would say that's probably not the case. And the reason I say that is before I even start FAB, I look at the lineup for next week and sometimes the week after and highlight is my lineup, if I didn't do anything, is my lineup going to be sufficient for this upcoming week? And if not, where is that and, and what to go do about it? And a lot of that has to do with pitcher starts. You know, a great example this week was, you know, what, what to do with, you know, starts like Alex Wood here today at, at Atlanta or, you know, Carrasco on the, on the road at the end of their long, you know, road trip and guys that you might normally start, you know, do I really want to start them this week? And if not, you know, what are my options? And in some cases you can't avoid some of those things, but the same with the hitters. Um, do I have hitters that I think are going to get, uh, you know, 300 at bats uh, this week, play six to seven games. And if not, uh, you know, what to go, do about them and and that starts my fab process while we have a lot of guys that we like it's really um you know what what holes do we need to go fill and you can't fill them all and you can't get enough and of course you can set all the cues and still you know a lot of people are spending a lot of money for folks so you can't have a perfect lineup every week but um it is, it is a long process for me to decide, you know, next week, next week, uh, you know, what, what are the holes before I even then start the, the Sunday fab process. And then it's almost as long once I find out who I finally got, you know, who are we going to start the first half of the week and who are the second half and even the greatest plans then, uh, you know, uh, all fall apart when there's a week like this week where I'm one of my better teams. By the end of Monday, you know, Jeff McNeil and George Springer and Manny Margot and Kiermaier, all people that I was counting on for, you know, six or seven games this week are, you know, out by the end of Monday. So it, sometimes it's all for none. Monday's oh, yeah. Yeah, injuries, that's right? that's a bad week. I totally uh Margot hurts. Margot hurts. I have a lot of Margot and I, I love him. I just thought he was ready to blossom right now. And uh that's a real stinker, you know. I mean it was like the week before the guy that I targeted was Berger from the White Sox, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I need him, he's gonna play, you know, all these games at home. And you know, 
two at bats into Monday, and you know he's basically done for the whole week. <laughs> right, right. So even even as much time as you spend, you really can't count on it. Or or out comes the new COVID news, or you learn a surprise that so and so can't travel to Toronto. So I mean, you you do all this stuff, but it's still it's never perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh. Oh man, I hope I hope we have to stop guessing that soon one of these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh I but you know what, Doug? I I I do a lot of lineup stuff too. Um I I pour in a lot of work to the lineups um for each segment. And like you said, I really look at it first before Fab. I try to like to do that on Saturday, just kind of evaluate my teams, um, look at Monday to Thursday, look at Friday to Sunday. Um, and just try to foresee, like you said, if I can look a week ahead to, um, at anything different, sometimes you'll just see a lot of seven and six games. It's a big difference. Um, not really huge, but if like, you know, 15 teams have six games and the rest have seven, it's kind of okay. But, you know, when you see like big differences, like some teams have eight and some teams have five, you know, when you try to attack those angles but yeah i look at my lineup too i like have a little sheet that i keep track of like uh, last 14 last 30 um you know preseason projections rest of season kind of you know just trying to see the path everyone's taking to you know what they're doing i like to pull up you know the um like to uh get the um the numbers from baseball HQ as well, because they have uh, the year to date is great because it shows last 30, you know, last 14, last seven, and just a good way to see, um, you know, how players are tracking real quick in terms of power, speed, contact, all that. And yeah, so uh, I, I don't know. I make a lot of maddening um, lineup choices uh, just based on doing dives into, you know, each kind of tool like that available. But uh I, I I enjoy it, you know, because I think it keeps me on tabs with um what's going on, you know, with my team and the players itself. And um, John, I think you mentioned it, but like uh, you know, just 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 inserting your weekly um stats right into a sheet or just like even looking at them on on the site, you know, just I think it's maybe something uh, like I started doing a lot more this year is just trying to pay attention to that or, you know, just even see the overall rankings too for the previous week, just that week itself, you know, because we kind of have to see, you know, um, is a 15 homer week good, right? Like how would you know, you know, what you need to get every week and the stats you're trying to get unless you just take a look at that quick snapshot, you know, of skills. So I think it's a highly underutilized uh, option on the NFBC site, you know, to, is to look at that, you know, but I do a well, lot of lineup working. stuff, Doug. It drives me nuts. For you. Yeah. <laughs> we know that it's working for you because we know where your teams are and they're all <laughs> in the shape. So. Yeah, you're doing a good job, Rob. Keep it up, man. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm real happy too. I tried like a whole bunch of different formats too. And you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be good at each one and, yeah. uh, you know, Nailed it's, it. uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, I would say the rest of the week, we, we do a lot of baseball watching and we, we, you know, text back and forth a bit about, you know, playing time and players that we see and watch and, Hey, we think this guy's going to be the future closer or this guy, he's going to be in the starting rotation soon or, uh, you know what, this, this guy's going to lose his spot, those, those kind of things. And Doug's a little bit more 
analytical in terms of uh, pitchers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he, he was so, a there's a rumor pitcher. that there's a rumor that you've never been to the baseball savant website. <laughs> so that's funny. So, yeah. So I do all this spreadsheet stuff, but you would think that I would be somewhat technical uh, savvy. But, you know, I, I've never been to the baseball savant website. I don't even know how to to DVR a game, Rob. Like I watch a lot of live baseball. So Rob, so Rob, let me put this in perspective. All right. <laughs> so if you were to watch John do a draft, especially from home, and you were to look at his technical setup, you would think that uh, you know this is more complicated than an airplane airplane pilot, you know, in the cockpit, right? He's got monitors hooked up to computers. He's got it all laid out, uh, his, his draft software. He's got the NFBC site. He's got the draft board. He's got seven or eight of his favorite projection systems all mapped into a, a spreadsheet, okay? He's got the latest news, you know, flashing up on his screen whenever somebody is hurt, okay? <laughs> and, and if you were to watch this, it's the most incredible uh, thing. I've never figured out how to do it. I'm happy to, you know, combine my computer, iPad, and phone to get the draft done, right? So the other day, so the other day, I, you know, I mentioned something that's going on in the real world, right? <laughs> and, and he says, wow, you're really up on the news, okay? And I said, well, no, my wife and I just watched, uh, you know, the ABC, you know, World News each night at 6.30. Well, how do you watch it at 6.30? Well, we don't, you know, we record it and we watch it later in the night. He says, well, how the hell do you record it? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, and I want to, like, you know, say something like, well, hit the record button, but I knew that wouldn't go over well or okay, something like that. And it's like, you know, so I try to explain to him, like, how you would go find a news show or, or a recording on demand and something like that. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is he's got the most elaborate setup for drafts. He runs the most complicated spreadsheets for all our teams. And he wants to know how to record the ABC evening. <laughs> well, first I would record Fox News. Let's get that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. good and then there was the other good time end. where you know I start the morning. I like to watch the condensed versions on MLB of the night before games that yes. I didn't get to see. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned oh, that, do, Doug. I, I like those. to watch all these players. Yes. And I said, oh, you wouldn't have believed, you know, how so-and-so looked last night. And he's like, oh, were you up, you know, watching that? I said, no, I just watched it this morning on the condensed MLB. It's like, well, what's that? <laughs> how do you get to that? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then so I finally directed him out of there, and then the um, – he found some reason why that wasn't, why that really wasn't needed. But anyways, it was. Um... <laughs> all right. But uh, no, but it was all around, you know, it's like, how can he be so off the charts in these areas? And then these other areas of, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, uh, well, we have, we that's something else, example. John. That's, 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 that's pretty impressive. 
<laughs> Doug should have known about this a little bit because I tried playing the other football contest once. Um, I had one team. I won a team through a playoff contest or something. So I play NFC all the time, right? I play a number of teams there. So this one time, finally, I won an FFPC event. So okay. I, I tried doing a draft. Rob, I could not figure this stupid software out. Like, <laughs> it was impossible. And then the season ended at a weird spot. And then there's five games in the year in the playoffs. And it was just, I could not figure it out. And then the, when the playoff weeks come, the standings are in a different spot. And now you got to look somewhere else to find the stand. It made no sense to me. And Doug was like, boom, this here. And I, he said, don't ever, ever do one of those again. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's we easy normally do, yeah. you know, John loves NFBC and FFC, and so do I. <laughs> but on football, you know, I would have some teams in the FF, you know, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, and he gets in that. And it is different. I mean, it's different software, different rules, and all that. And unfortunately, you know, we entered the playoff contest over there and we win these free teams. And he got so frustrated the next season trying to do that. I said, look, I'll make you a deal. If you don't send me any more texts about how to do this, I'll manage your teams on that site for the rest of the year. How's that? Oh, wow. Just Good so deal. that, you know, like, because otherwise all he's doing it, it's like you would have thought it was my website. He's complaining to me so much on, on this stuff. Oh my God! Yes, I'm That's, a creature of habit, guys. That, <laughs> oh, but the condensed games are great. I love those, and the, I I I watch them in the morning. Also, I think that really? it's just really. I try to do. Right. I, I try to do the like each box score as I'm watching the condensed game. So I'll just do a little bit All of right. both. So. Uh, that's kind of the routine I'll try to take. There's usually not enough time in my life, at least, to just do all of them. Um, sometimes I, I'm able to, um, and it's fun. You know, it's just uh, it's a good way to watch a game. And in, even, too, like, I like how they added that you can go straight to an inning if you replay the full game, you know. So if you just wanted to see, like, Dylan Cease, you know, just be masterful, and, you know, you could just watch all of his, you know, half innings, which is pretty cool, so... Uh, I like to utilize those two I things. Think it's important. I think it's important to see these guys and not just, yeah. you know, end up. I can't believe you. I can't believe you watch baseball. I mean, <laughs> we watch a lot of baseball. And then we yeah, do, uh, baseball is week, great. We listen, we listen to a lot of podcasts too. You know, I think usually we, I like the Pitcher List uh, daily one that happens. In, and then I also listen to the CBS one in terms of content, a uh, recap type of uh, podcast. I'm, you know, I, I would say I probably listen to more during the preseason mm-hmm. than during the season, but uh, I like those daily ones. Uh, and then I enjoy the ones that like yours that are interviewing the players that are competing. I enjoy those a lot. So those are the kind of the three that I listen to. I don't know if that's different than what you listen to, Doug, or same or. No, I mean, most of the podcasts I listen to is a result of John finding them and which ones are. <laughs> Our best. I can find those. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, he listens more than I do. I put him on every time I work out, and you know, I have to have some podcast in my baseball podcast in my ear. It's another weird habit of mine, but um, 
<laughs> no, that's uh, I I like to do it while I'm you know I like to listen to them while I'm doing something else as well because uh, you get you get double the punch you know you could do what you want and what you got to get done and you could throw on some fantasy baseball in the background but yeah I I do agree on the daily one it's it's, it's uh, Nick and his team do a great job of doing a yeah. quick little recap in the morning um, and you know um, but but when they talk about the Statcast stuff I mean John what do you do I mean. <laughs> do you, do you understand I mean, I, what they're talking about? Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't. I'm sure there's a website I can go and find. I do look at the RotoWire website and I can see the different bars and right. stuff. But yeah, I don't fully understand it all, and I don't know. You know, I guess part of me is just skeptical about how much of it is really predictive and uh, how valuable a lot of it is. Obviously, it makes sense that yet the harder you hit a ball, the less chance it's going to be to be an out and all that kind of stuff. I get all that, but uh, I'm more focused during the season on uh, what I see and playing time and, uh, and that kind of thing. So spot in the batting order, how many at bats, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but it's a good balance. Uh, you know, Doug hits me with a bunch of that good technical stuff and yeah, I do listen to him. So it's good. I've been thinking about, doing um just uh just the box score pod where i read out all the box scores verbally um <laughs> and do it every day and i've been thinking about this for like a couple of weeks now um someone's gonna probably hear it and do it but maybe i'll i have to do it soon like and just try it out and see how it is just maybe just read out the regular box you know try to cram in as much stuff as i can into uh i have to start talking really fast though and that's when i really start to stutter so but um, because, you know, I'd want it to be quick because sometimes, yeah. um, you know, you know, you have to go do something or you got a lot of, you know, you got a day where you got some errands and oh, man, we didn't get to look at those box scores, you know, and I hate, I hate one of the biggest things I hate is when like a new day of games comes and there's new stats and I didn't see all of yesterday's stats, you know, so not mm-hmm. like sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had just straight you know, box score in my ear. So uh, that's why I got that in my head. But so, so so you mentioned like the new, you know, the newer stuff. I just, you know, I'm always trying to find anything that, you know, might make me better again. But like you said, John, like you don't know if what you're looking at is a predictive thing or, you know, or if it it's substantiative at all. But, you know, how, you know, being that you guys had such a, you know, long process and, and you, you've been successful, like is, is how, how much does something have to really wow you, I guess, or be good to like incorporate it into your, you know, your daily routine? Like, you know, when do you, when do you know to change something in your process if it's wrong or, you know, like, or, you know, like, how do you better it? Is there something, you know, that pops to you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think we both adapt pretty fast um, to whatever the marketplace is uh, in terms of the statistics and the, the measuring the statistics. Um, you know, I, I'm more eye test on that kind of stuff, I would say. Um, but we do, we do adapt pretty fast. I would say well, one thing we both like not necessarily answering your question on the, on the stats, but just the marketplace is we both, regardless of if we were uh, relief, relief pitcher heavy, um, uh, as a strategy this year, we were no matter what, just based on the inventory. Right. So we, we both saw that the saves were going to be shared like they were last year, 
So the ones that had the job were even more valuable. And even though the price kept going higher and higher as the season went, you know, Doug and I both were pretty adamant about taking the closers pretty early this year. And that, that's been a, uh, a, one of the things we agreed on right off the bat as the draft, even as the prices crept up, it was just the price you had to pay to get the, the top closers. And we stuck to that. And right now we're glad we did. It could change. And we got, we got a ways to go yet, but, uh, in Do you anticipate those, that um, going even further next year? You see Josh Hader concrete in the first round? Boy, I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I um, on that New Year's Day draft we talked about, I thought I was going crazy. I had the number two pick. I had the number two pick in a 15-teamer. And at the two-three turn, you know, not back-to-back, I took Hader and Hendricks. And nice. I got all sort. I got all sorts of crap, you know, <laughs> at that time, right? And never, there wasn't another draft later in the year that I could have gotten Hader or Hendricks at the two-three turn and any right. drafts that I did, right? And so it kept creeping up. There was even some cases where you know they went you know late first or right around that turn. Yeah. And I think you have to agree if you had Josh Hader as in that spot it's so far that you know that's that's been a uh, a reasonable pick I mean he earned that sort of value the year before even as a third or fourth rounder and now he's earning that value again so I mean it's not like he's right. providing all sort of surplus value but he certainly um, you, you can't say that he's not in the neighborhood of his draft position on, on how he's performed Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 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 I can't wait to see how they enter going into next season. Um, and I, I, I was supposed to do that draft this year on New Year's Day. <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that my, my mom had just gone into the hospital yeah, like right. four, yeah, like three or four days before that. And I was yeah. a wreck. Um, you know, I, I, I was trying to, uh, like do like even just give, um, my, my teammate some uh yeah. anything just like uh oh hey you know maybe you try to get this guy but then you know i was, yeah. I, I was I, so not I, into it but i remember just looking forward to it so much like you know just like mike's like oh it's a new year's day thing you know and it's nice you know it was just uh oh man but um hey and you know what I see in that league that John, you're you're first in saves in that league. Got good old Clay Holmes on that team. Uh, oh yeah, do you remember what round you took him in? Did you in... reverse that win yet? He should have had a win the other night. What? Oh is that my about? God! Did you? I can't believe they leave it up to the scorekeeper. I mean, oh, that's that, always the, so crazy, right? That guy was definitely in a head-to-head league, and the other and 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 <laughs> and the guy he. Who he was playing against has Holmes for sure, you know. That's clear I, as day. That was a weird, weird decision. Weird decision. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Um, but um, do you guys have a memorable uh, draft story? Yeah, I do. I do. So, um, and thanks to John. So you know, long story short, um, I my you know the off season was always changing for me. You know, obviously the season was delayed and then uh, issues came up at home and I couldn't 
make the Vegas trip. And then after that, uh, my youngest is a my youngest daughter is a senior, so we had her senior uh, spring break trip. So trying to figure out how to not, you know, to adjust to not going to Vegas and a uh, and a vacation trip and get all of the the drafts in was challenging. So. So I was really cutting it close and we we're coming back from that spring trip on the Saturday and we're supposed to leave in the morning and be home by, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So I had a main event scheduled at 10 o'clock that night thinking I'm going to be home and I got plenty of time to go make that happen. Well, guess what? All the flights out of Florida were canceled. And at 10 o'clock at night, it looks like I'm still going to be on a plane, but I'm messaging John that says, I think I'm going to get on a plane and I need you to finish my draft. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's a main event. <laughs> oh, I'm man. not going to be home and uh, I may be able to sign on once I'm on the plane, but I'm going to have this void, right? And um, of course, John agrees. He's always very accommodating and we get there and, and we draft, I draft the first 10 rounds from the waiting area to get on the plane. Wow. At 1030 at night in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And then all of a sudden, even rather than getting on the plane, they cancel our flight. And now I got my family. The whole state of Florida has already had a day head start. It's 1030 at night. We have nowhere to stay. We have no way to get home and what to go do. And and so I called it the panic main, or maybe John did. And I said, (laughs) John, I'm not getting on the plane, but there's no way I can sit here and finish a draft while my family's going crazy over, you know, what's happening here and how are we going to get home? Okay. Right. And then, oh, by the way, on that draft, which was very uncharacteristic for me, after 10, after nine or 10 rounds, I had taken two closers early, Hader and Iglesias, and I had one, I had one starting pitcher. Manoa, but I had all these other offensive guys that had kind of fallen to me, you know, Springer, you know, Seeger, all these guys. And so uncharacteristic to me, I have a hitter heavy team. And I said, John, oh, by the way, uh, could you give me some pitch? <laughs> so, so Rob, not only does he hit me with this idea, you know, I know he's got a draft, right? We, we kind of know when each other is drafting. But I had an OC going. So I had to finish that OC first. So, you know, Doug, you got to do a few rounds here. I got to get through. I got to finish my OC. <laughs> and I'm going to try to jump in. And it's just not really my style to uh, try to figure out where he's at in his draft and figure out, you know, I, I'm pretty regimented in terms of where ADP and crossing out my guys and using um, Roto Labs and all that kind of stuff. Right. So this was. He caught me a little bit out of uh, sorts, and uh, but we picked it up, and uh, uh, yeah, I had to draft some yellow. So, but <laughs> <And then laughs> so I ended up, I think I ended up doing the rest of the draft, right? Because you were, did you I come? Did, back? Yeah, you did yeah I think I finished the whole draft, but and nothing really late hit. You know, I could have just 
we I missed on most of the lat, the letter picks, but uh, in the middle we did okay, I think. So anyway, that team's doing good right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. that's so a pretty... yeah, we call it the panic main and the offense. I usually don't. Usually I have a team with you know. 60 points of pitching and then I'm trying to bring the hitting up and you know this one I got 65 points of hitting and uh, the pitching you know is still a you know a struggle but it but it showed I mean it's it's one of those teams that's uh, you know been in the in the top of the overall for all these weeks so uh, it's not only did it work out, but, uh, you know, so far so good. Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll stay there, but, uh, who, who would have, who would have thought that, uh, you know, the team that would be up there would be one where, uh, Hey John, I got 10 picks in, uh, here. Uh, good luck. Man. Thank you. I don't know how you stayed composed just even doing the first 10. Like that's just amazing that you were even able to mentally do that you know uh, i would have been a wreck it would have melted that's just my well, I mean, guess it's, you know it's certainly not ideal you don't think of sitting you know next to the gate in the airport you know starting your draft and you know with right yeah limited things i mean fortunately you know it, it wasn't like our first draft and uh, uh you know so it had a game plan coming all day so it was kind of like write down um, who you want to go get but um but yeah that yeah. was a memorable one for sure that's fine i guess that qualifies as a memorable one for me too yeah <laughs> yeah i can say yeah i mean just just being able to jump into and and try to try to guess what's going on and and you know i feel like that's a lot of pressure too <laughs> I would say I have another memorable one that I didn't even draft in, and that was in Vegas. I sat in and watched uh, uh, an auction league. I think it was a super auction, actually, and uh, it was just the funnest time. And uh, it was uh, a bunch of the Chicago guys was it, were, were in the auction. So it was uh, Rob Geis and uh, Matt Anderson and Cosley and Jay Lyons. And it was like a Chicago group feel to that auction. And uh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, they they had a good time in the in the auction, and uh, that was a fun one. It was memorable. Yeah, that's uh, it's good times. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, drafts are drafts are the best. Um, I ha- you you've mentioned a couple times to like fifteen team uh, leagues and twelve team leagues. I know you guys you know play a lot of different formats. So I just want to know like how do you get into prepping for the different league sizes, you know, and what's the biggest difference and what, like, what's the best advice I guess you could give the people as to how to separate the two? Well, I think the prep is kind of the same in terms of identifying players and analyzing the players and all that. Right. So it's just, um, the total saves you need is different, right? So you're typically, you need three closers or two and a half closers more so than the 15. Um, but on the flip side, you're often able to get closers in in fab a little bit easier in the 12. So the, the big difference is fab, right? It, it, it's a totally you can you can drop a lot of lot more players without really worrying about it. There's always good uh, replacement players uh, available in fab, and uh, you kind of go. I would say you take a few more chances in uh, 12s. You got to beat a couple thousand more teams to win it. Right. So, uh, 
you kind of, I always tend to take a little bit more upside, a little more risk uh, in the 12s and uh, try to hit the home run. And, and the other thing is I feel like you can gain more every week in the 12s than you can in the 15s on the competition, just because I would say that just the more entry-level players playing the 12 than the 15, I, I think. The more experienced players are, are playing the 15, and it's a harder contest, I think, in its own way. Uh, but so people give up a little bit easier in the 12s, maybe. You could spend your fab a little bit earlier in the 12s than the 15s. Mm, good point. Uh, at, you know, halfway through the year, you you only got three or four teams bidding on, on fab players, sometimes, depending on the league. But uh that's one of the differences I've noticed anyway, but I, I love the 12s. I'd rather play 12s than 15s, to be honest. But. Really? I, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> what you, what you just mentioned about like, you know, dropping, dropping a guy, you know, have like a quicker trigger, you know, I, I'm, I still, I still, I'm still struggling with that. Like, <laughs> you struggled with it last year. And I get, I don't know if I've just grown too attached to guys, you know. And I know too, like, I know sometimes I'm looking at the player and I'm just like, probably can move on from this guy. But my brain is just like, you know, I don't know. I'm stuck. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I held uh, Hazuki. Would you guys have dropped him at this point in a 12? He's gone. Gone, huh? <laughs> sure. Shit. See? Well, I drop guys too quick. So take my, you know, I drop so fast. Like, yeah, uh, I guess it all depends on what he returns to. Like if he returns to like the first couple of, you know, weeks player that he was, it would be a good hold. But if not, probably right. See, I'm already, me, uh, I, I already me, feel shit about myself. What about Charlie me, Blackman? Blackman? No, you gotta keep him. He he, the keep in a 12? All right. All right. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna turn this briefly into who who should I cut um, podcasts? <laughs> I, I think for uh, Rob, for me on the different formats, you know, John is better at this than me, but I have to schedule, you know, we do a lot of drafts, so I have to schedule them to kind of group them together just so, you know, if, if we're going to do four or five or six mains, I would rather them be in, you know, two groups of three with nothing in between them. Okay. Or, or if we're going to do a bunch of, uh, o, you know, OC 12 teamers, you know, I'd rather do five of them in a row with nothing in between so that you kind of get a rhythm and, you know, doing that. And the auctions are usually live in Vegas. So, you know, schedule two or three of those, you know, within two to three days to kind of do them back to back to back so that you can kind of roll from, uh, you know, one mindset to the other, as opposed to, you know, one day of 15, the next day of 12 and, and vice versa. So. No, that definitely makes sense. I've tried to do that. And um, I don't know, I think I sprinkled in an OC in the middle of like, um, I did an early OC this year. I think it was uh, March. I think I was still doing a um, a DC, and I don't know. I, I I jumped into it a little early, but I was just excited to like. I wanted to get into one, and uh, time was time was shrinking for me because um, I entered like that later draft season, like a little later than I anticipated. So I was like trying to cram a couple of my planned, you know, uh, leagues in my head 
Um, but if you're ever feeling, if you're ever feeling bad about a 15 team or you're down on life or you're feeling bad about your players, you drafted, just do a 12, you get a good team. You feel great. You yeah. Know, you get all the teams look so great. All the 12s, right. When you got drafted, it's such a different thing, right? So. It's such a different thing. It's such a, it's such a, you know, because in it, while you're in it, you love it. And then you peel away and you're like, these other teams look better than mine. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really a big difference when it's uh, so many different players. And I think it's, I think it hits you too. When, when you get, when I get to the reserve rounds is usually when it hits me because then you really got to start making some decisions, you know, because I guess I, I get stuck in that, like, you know, draft champions, like, you know, um, mode. And, you know, when I play a 400, comes around you know immediately what you start you know what you're like usually what i usually have left to draft and um on those teams and it, and it's like well i don't have that much time to you know make a choice from these players it's a big difference but uh yeah i enjoy it i i i feel like i'm getting a little bit better at the 15s in my i mean at the 12s in my in terms of uh you know trying to um dissect what's the best way to weave through the season but um and i think spending the fab being more aggressive in the fab too is something i i I try to you know uh trying to hammer home a little more because kind of forget that you know it's not like a 15 teamer where you know you maybe want to hold on a little bit more but uh just spent a whole bunch of money on riley green this weekend so i mean there we go right typically I'll typically do three or four drops on a 12 every week, you know, sometimes even more. So uh, uh, quite a bit of turnover on my teams on the 12s for sure. Yeah. John, John is much better. I mean, he's actually awesome at this and that is continually improving a 12 team team where, you know, they are too many players to me all look good because I have them on 15s and so forth, but he does a great job of really separating, you know, who's a 12 team worthy versus a 15 team worthy and, you know, continuing to make those rosters stronger and stronger that, you know, you start to look at some of his rosters. Now it's like, Oh my God, this is an incredible team. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to pay for a uh, 12 team, uh, coaching session <laughs> I'm his manager that's a very expensive uh, coaching <laughs> see I mean it, it you got like that you got the sheets I mean you have a very profitable business right there <laughs> yeah. but probably not, it's not as profitable as uh your earnings though I, I, I your earnings in fantasy so that's that's the way off yeah right there <laughs> um but um no that's uh that's some good stuff uh, what what do you guys think that the nfbc um site can add or change that you know make it as you know even better than it is right now oh i think i'm a huge nfbc fan right i i I think what uh, Greg and Derek and Tom have done over the years, and I really like the direction they're going with a lot of things. And uh, yeah, the software is great. You know, um, the one thing, you know, this year, you know, that drives me crazy is just that the bet, the MGM bet token or whatever, it's just oh, in certain yeah. states, I assume. But 
that drives me crazy. But uh, if I could get rid of one thing, that's it. Uh, <laughs> you know, everything else I, I'm just comfortable with. I, I know how to navigate the site and uh, so many different search functions and uh, ways you can look at things. And a lot of they, they keep tweaking it every year a little bit. And uh, I think it's a fantastic pro product. And since I'm not a a big uh, app guy. It doesn't bother me at all that their app isn't any good. So uh, they they, sell, they readily admit that the app isn't very good. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm just uh, on my PC. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think they've done an incredible job on the software to make it uh, user friendly. And um, that the only thing I wish was different it would be a rule change, which is uh oh, here we go. I wish Fab deadline was like at 1 or 2 a.m. you know in the morning as opposed to 10 p.m. on Sunday so that we could actually enjoy our Sunday during you know the uh, the main hours of the day so I I'd be happy that uh, you know come 10 p.m. eastern till 2 in the morning to work on fab while you know yeah. family life is uh, over and it really wouldn't make any difference to the contest whether it ended at 10 or at 2 so that would be the rule change I'd love to see made. I like that. I'm, I'm with yeah, that too. I agree with that one. I like yeah. that one as well. Yeah. yeah. I would totally nighthawk it too as well, because especially, especially like right now it's the summertime. I just want to like be outside at the beach or something. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, and it's like, Oh, well, I gotta do that. That's why I try to sneak in fab, you know, into my well, night. need is a uh, bill or a gecko to suggest it. And it's done. Right. Oh, th that's, that that's the leverage th that we need. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's it. Us, that's it. us three isn't enough. Jesus Christ! It's not, <laughs> no, it's not about us. <laughs> Jeez, what is what do you got to do? Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, I'm even on the Eastern time zone, and uh, I can't imagine being in the West, and you'd have to be done at seven p.m. You know, sort of right. thing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I. That's a great point right there. I think. I think I would. I think I would like to see, and I don't know if this would, I guess the only thing I think about is if it would take away from the amount of people that entered the main event, but I thought it would be great if they had a, like a cheaper entry level 15 team league um, that wasn't the main event. Something in the price point of like the online championships, you know, um, yeah. you know, you know, and uh, like I said, I don't know if that would take away from the main, then I would say no. But I, 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 I still think they would get a, a big draw. And I mean, I don't think it would change it. But if they think it would, then I get that. Which that that would make sense. But um, I feel like a lot more people want to get involved in the 15 team league. than it's just either like main event qualifier or main event, you know, or auction league, too. But um, it's pretty yeah. close to the main event. So but um what what um you guys obviously have your own processes and a whole bunch of stuff to uh stand up on when you make your decisions but is there anyone in the either that you play against or like that are in the industry that you really kind of like to you know listen to or lean on for any type of advice well i mean i i mentioned before i mean every year the number of players that are really really good just continue to increase which is you know a lot of the fun and the challenge john and i are both very competitive so uh you know there's so many good players out there you're trying to 
you know, compete with, but, you know, I try to learn and, you know, uh, you know, from a lot of folks, but I think the, the good part of, you know, I used to be that, uh, you know, I didn't want a lot of outside noise and then, you know, John and I became such a, you know, a good partnership that the, the knowledge kind of complemented uh, each other and, and we have a few, you know, chat lines that also uh, help, but I, I sometimes think that, you know, more is not always good. It's just more opinions, you know, you need to be close to the people who think, you know, like you and uh, do those sorts of stuff. But, but we certainly uh, listen and follow and try to find, you know, tidbits on all your shows and many other places of, you know, like John said, you know, a tidbit from, your show with, uh, with, uh, Brian and, and Sackett, you know, to pick up something, uh, here and there yep. is always a good thing. Yeah, Thanks. I would echo that, uh, same, same kind of thing. I, I do enjoy the Rotowire guys as well, Erickson and Zinke and, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the guys there. Uh, yeah, there's always something you end up picking up and I, I try to get a flavor of a bunch of different places and, Something, yeah. Sometimes it sticks and it's good, and other times it's, yeah, it's just fun to listen to. Right. We, we soak in, we soak in a tremendous amount and try to figure out, you know, <laughs> that's right. Too I mean, much, probably. <laughs> and it might be, but ultimately, you know, something, uh, you know, we just take it all in stride and, you know, we don't run with any of it. It's just all good inputs and, uh, and does it fit with what you know, we're trying to do our way of thinking. And, um, right and also it's kind of good to know, you know, it's back to the draft part or even on fab, you know, what's the marketplace. It's good to know who are, who are people on so that if we happen to be on the same guys, we know that um, they may be more expensive or if guys that we like aren't being mentioned, then maybe, you know, you know, we can get away with a, with a little lower bid. Right. Good point. Good, good, great point right there. There's, there's so much to take in. I, I, I take in way too much as well, but I, I, I think like you guys said, it's just, it's just adds input and it just adds things that maybe you didn't catch. And it's just, it's, it's all good. It's a, it's, it's, um, you know, it, I find it, I can, I always try to add things and the more I read, I feel like I learn obviously, um you know what to do and even sometimes what not to do you know um i think that's that's important too and um yeah i mean i i try i try to really tunnel it to what you know um i think it, it is the best stuff but then it's just always you always see something else and you always see something else and, the industry yeah. is full of really bright minds and uh it, yeah. it keeps getting better every year in terms of uh the content and uh the statistics and uh the yep. pers pers perspectives on everything it's great yeah. absolutely you guys got a um a player that you don't like to play against <laughs> I, I i like this player but he's so good kyle brinkman for me he's a chicago player mm -hmm. uh plays online a lot um he's tough uh brinkman yep he's he, i think he's like top five right now again in the main he's uh underrated yep. for sure this guy uh the I think it's he and his brother, I think. Uh, very good players. Um, yeah, that's one for me. 
Yeah, I mean, you had Mike Major on, um, you know, when I would be in auctions with him, you know, it would be like every time we would uh, be together, uh, he would outbid me for a guy and I wouldn't go with the extra dollar and I'd see him, you know, kind of celebrating under his breath over there. And uh, it was like he was always taking um, uh, those guys for me. But, you know, Larry Schechter, I know he's had some issues here uh, lately, but I, I always hated being in his draft because our our style was exactly the same. We wanted two closers and we wanted two catchers early. And so it was a race to see. Uh, he doesn't even know that, I'm sure. But I knew that when I was in the league with him, that uh, he was going to want to do the exact same things that I wanted to do. That's a good one. Right. Um, I, I feel like in my first main um from last year because a lot of the guys still in the league in this year and um it's pretty cool now that i embark in that every year you know you kind of have like a group or a similar group of guys and you know i'm trying to i try to do a little bit uh, of homework you know too as to go back to last year you know maybe if you could catch anything uh, uh, like uh, a type of roster construction build or you know, something like that where um, you, you guys do that at all? Or you try to like, you know, scout your opponents at all? Like we're, we're not like, you know, super scouting, but just kind of knowing just by playing against them for a long time, like what they tend to do and, you know, what they like to do. You have like a little spreadsheet on that, John, or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I do kind of, I mean, we were in enough drafts with the same people that we kind of do get a flavor of what each player is going to do. And, uh, and, and we do have a relative idea on, uh, you know, which players have been successful over the years in the various contests. Right. So we, we do, we're aware of that, but uh, I don't think it really changes our game plan much. And uh, it's fun to compete against the best players. Right. And that, that's one of the fun things about Vegas and the live drafts is, you've got the best players there at all, a lot of times. And that, that's a fun, uh, fun to compete against. Right. I like kind, I kind to um, something that Doug was mentioning about just kind of knowing what the market is going to do week to week, you know, by reading um, articles uh, by guys in the industry and, or that play in the NFBC as well. And, um, it's funny trying to identify my league, like who might be looking at what, you know, like I trying to like put up the winning bid to like Vlad's, you know, bids and I'm like, Oh, someone's <laughs> using this one. And someone's using that one. And you kind of get in the range because yeah. if, if there's, if there's a couple of things on the weekend where, you know, right. will alter your bid on a player is obviously like if a guy gets a save that on Sunday, or if he has, you know, a multiple home run game on Sunday, or if, you know, whatever Vlad mentions him <laughs> at the price, you know, because I like it when I'm like, I have a guy listed and it's the first thing I do, I'll do a control, you know, I'll do, I'll do a search on the page, look for the guy's name. And I'm like, Oh, he's not in the article this week. Great. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's when I'm winning on yeah. Sunday when he doesn't mention a guy they really kind of want, you know, and um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, uh, it's it's interesting because I think players really um, use that as a tool for that as well. Not only his great, you know, scan of of the week and the schedule on the players, but just kind of uh, a little market gauge of where someone might go. You know, 
But I think you hit on one of the things that's really great about this uh, community and this game is that there's so many of these, uh, the experts like Vlad and others that also play and they're not afraid to put their stuff out there. And, and that's really appreciated. And they're very transparent. And uh, yes. I think I'm not sure that that exists in all sports or all contests. And uh, I think it's really great. And uh, yeah, uh, kudos to all those guys for doing that. Right. Hey, I'm throwing you a first pitch fastball, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but I I agree. There's nothing like being in a draft with um, some of the guys you talk to on Twitter or some of the analysts and, you know, you're in a slow draft and, you know, you look at the recent pick and you're like, just put your head down. Then you get a DM instantly. Ha ha. You think I was going to let you get him? And I'm like, motherfucker, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like, because ah, I shouldn't have said that. Heard you say it two days ago on a pod. Like, ha ha. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? You know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> now I'm like hoping that, you know, hope that play doesn't do anything for you. No. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about um, different, um, the, the differences in, I guess, uh, leagues with an overall and maybe leagues that don't have an overall. Do you guys participate in any leagues that are just uh, not non-overall leagues? And if your approach is any different in those leagues? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I've entered a couple of higher stake leagues, you know, the diamond um, ultimate sort of thing that don't have an overall component and, um, and they have been different. Um, you know, you tend to, um, to see different styles, you know, like the diamond league this year out of, you know, 15 drafters, It was when the draft was over, it was clear that, uh, you know, three, maybe four of them had completely punted saves. So you knew right away that, um, you know, starting pitching was going to be hard to find after the draft because you get three teams that are carrying, you know, 12, 13 pitchers and all of them are starters. It's going to go a lot deeper in a 15 team, you know, league like that than what might be a typical main event, um, you know, sort of league. And um, so, I mean, so you have to kind of judge and see, you know, where, because it is possible to win a 15 team league and not be balanced across all, all categories. Like you have to be in a, in an overall sort of a, Right. Uh, contest. But, you know, I don't, we don't enter a whole lot of, of others and, you know, there's lots of great players and our style still seems to, you know, do well in though. I mean, I'm, we're still going to be balanced, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, overall or not, because we just feel that's what we we know the best and we're comfortable with. That's but you right. see a lot of uh, differences that you do have to be aware of, especially, uh, you know, as the season goes on. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't really participate in too many sing, um, you know, uh, just single league events. Maybe one or two a year, um, but I'm almost always in an overall type of contest. I just, maybe it's just the nature of uh, DFS, uh, you know, go for the, the the big win, I guess, kind of idea. But uh, I think what Doug said is right. The, the the big difference usually is in the save category, and when you punt saves. All kinds of things happen, right? That especially in a 15 team uh, standalone league, that starting pitching really gets uh, tight, right? So then you see some really crazy bids on free agents and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I guess that's one difference. Um, 
I prefer the uh, overall and, and going for the balance of the categories and maximizing the points. If you chart the, the points out on a curve and how many points you can gain by getting from 40% to 60%, right? That, that's where you're really gaining. You can't have a category that's too low. It does, and likewise, it doesn't do you much good to get above 80. Your, your, your return on those stats that are above 80%, you're not, you're not picking up as many overall points. So right. you'd, you'd be better off focusing some resources on those other categories. If did you, you did you read the um, article in Baseball HQ, uh, the first one that Steve Weimer wrote on the overall effects on on the on the overall points from from at bats and innings pitched? And it was this week. It was this uh, current. Yeah, week. no, I just I hadn't read it till I listened to your pod just two days ago, and you mentioned that, so I went and uh, glanced at it, and uh, you know you had him on your show, and he did a great job. So I was. I was curious yeah. to, uh, to go see it and see some of those correlations and, um, and they were logical, right? Um, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. They were logical. The more innings you have, you know, the heart, we, we know that that's going to impact the, the ratios or the more at bats you have probably is going to impact batting average. Yeah. That, that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more question before I just want to hit some stuff for your, sure. your teams right now um, in season, but um, how do you go back to look at last year? Do you have a process of, um, is it just all a matter of like, Oh, I finished in second, I'm doing pretty good. Or is there a process in place to show how you did with, you know, guys you drafted guys, you may have fabbed or the amount of money you may have spent um, in fab. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, we don't do a deep dive, but we, we try to test some of the, uh, you know, the, you know, the big decisions that we made going in. Like if we were going to be starting pitching heavy, how did that, you know, work out? And if it did, you know, why did it work out? And if it didn't, you know, why uh, didn't it, or uh, the same on, you know, the, closers or the catchers i mean those sorts of things that we lean and then we do a little bit of you know looking at some of our fab and saying uh, you know did we have a pretty good success rate or not uh, especially you know especially on the bigger uh, guys so I, I would say it's all around you know the early draft choices and the decisions or the big bids are we making the right decisions in those areas yeah, I agree with that. We don't we don't spend a ton of time. We're mostly looking forward and not spending a whole lot on the last year's team. So, plus rookies, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Plus season, right. Yeah, right. yeah. There's, there's always how much you guys can do. Uh, yeah, that right. totally makes sense. Um, all right, so um, guys are littered across the top of the overalls um, in several different formats right now. Um, you can find both your names. Uh, high across the leagues so um you know what what what's gone right so far in terms of was it a specific team build or has there been any players that have really been you know carrying your good teams or as well as maybe teams that might not be doing that well like is there anyone uh is a player or a specific path that you took that wasn't good well i would say injuries you can't predict i mean not to a certain extent you can't predict, right? So we've, we've both been hit with some injuries that uh, have been unfortunate, but so has everybody else. So uh, 
We're not crying about any of that. Uh, you know, I think it's gone like we hoped it would. And uh, to be in this spot at this point of the season, I think we feel good, uh, the balance of our teams. And, uh, you know, we plan on gaining on the field the rest of the way, hopefully, if all goes well. And uh, it won't be for lack of work or effort. And uh, we won't always make the right decisions. But uh, I think uh, overall we feel pretty good of where we're at. And uh, it's a good spot to be. I think, uh, you know, we've got a couple duds, right? And even those will – we got time. It's, there's plenty of season left, and uh, we hope to uh, turn them all into winners of some sort. But of course, it won't. They won't all be winners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about taking uh, closers early, and as I look at teams now, I yeah. feel like the ones that I went that route are doing better than the ones that I wanted, you know waited till later. And there hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, success in that area. And, and it was tough in some early drafts. Like, you know, I had one before we knew some of the landing spots for some of the free agents where, you know, I wasted a pick on a Blake Trinan and, you know, yeah. and all the, you know, and a uh, Suarez from, you know, San Diego, you know, before we knew who was going to be in, you know, all the people who had Kimbrel and all of a sudden, uh, you know, voila, you know, lucky you, you know, he's now the closer in LA, you know, we're fortunate. And, um, and then they traded, uh, you know, Rogers from Minnesota to San Diego. So early on, you think you're maybe getting two closers on some good teams. And then you find out that, you know, those choices not only are wasted, but now I got to go chase that category. And that's been, um, that's been tough to do. There hasn't been, um, you know, a whole lot of, yep. a whole lot of closers, you know, if, you know, if you had John's guy, Clay Holmes, uh, you know, you hit, you hit it big, but you know, there hasn't been too many guys that, uh, you know, you could go pick up off the waivers that have, you know, you've really locked into your lineups uh, here so far this year. Right. Makes sense. Um, what's your main focus right now on your teams? Uh, do you have uh, something that you're really, you know, um, focusing on in terms of like, are you adding depth to your team? Do you just focus in on maybe picking up uh, a good rest of season guy that has been dropped in your league or just mostly streaming to fill in spots? Yeah, we kind of just did this uh, a week ago or so. We kind of did a deep dive on each of the teams and where they're sitting in terms of the category percentages and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, obviously some, we have some that are like 5%, 10% of a category. And uh, we, we, you know, we really committed to, Hey, in order for that team to be a contender, you know, we need to improve in that category, whether it's stolen bases or saves or what have you. Average is such a hard thing to move, but uh, th those are the ones that I worry about the most is when we're down in the bottom on average, it's just a hard, uh, hard one to move. But uh, for the most part, we're pretty balanced. A few teams, we got some uh, off off categories and we need to improve and we're, we're looking at it uh, specifically uh, focusing on some of those. And then we'll give it another maybe month. And uh, at some point there's a team that's not going to be contending for any overall. And then you just look at the categories for the league and make adjustments for that and get that team to cash in the league. Uh, but right now it's too far left. Uh, we, we can still, make stuff happen in terms of overall, hopefully. 
I mean, we're probably eternal optimists that so we think that every one of our teams uh, can still contend before the year's over, right? And, you know, maybe somewhere in August, you know, we'll realize that was kind of uh, wishful thinking. But, you know, we know that, you know, we get the right the right guys back or keep uh, working at the, you know, we know some of them may not be overall contenders, but, you know, trying to get in a goal of, you know, cashing it in a league is, is not completely out of the question yet. So the only real big moves we've made is like John said, if, if something's, uh, you know, 10 or 20% of a category to try to strengthen it, or if we've, or if we're way out in front, you know, I dropped a Diego Castillo, for instance, in a main because I had him and three other closers. And I'm so, you know, I'm 99.9% of the save category on that team. So uh, needing to move into more starters and, you know, less closers at this point is the right, you know, the right sort of move to make. So. Right. Is there ever a right time to attack a specific category? Do you guys have a kind of an understanding like, yeah, like this, we have to make a move on this specific category now, or we got time for that. Is that just something that you kind of know? I think we're there. Yeah. I think we're there now. I mean, it's time to move on a few of these. Right. So um, generally we don't go for the, the one trick guy or, uh, you know, we, we really try to balance to draft a balanced team. We don't have too many teams where we just have a, I got burned. I'll never forget uh, D Gordon. You know, I just got burned so bad on the, the, the one trick speed guy. And uh, I try not to do that anymore, but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll tend to be balanced on that. I mean, the beauty of the data we look at is not only where are we, but where are we trending? You know, are we right? And so, you know, if we're, if we're still low, but we're trending in the right direction, you know, keep at it. If, if we had, if, you know, it's kind of like a, a player, you know, that started hot in April, right? You tend to really, his batting average is still high, but you don't realize that he's, he's only hit 200 over the last month because he's still hitting 300 for the, the season. You know, we get to look at this every week and try to see, are we losing are we losing ground in these areas? And, you know, we need to stop kidding ourselves and, uh, you know, make, make an adjustment there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm always trying to figure out like, uh, that process of getting better and am, am I getting better in each category? How am I, you know, improving that? And yeah, it's just one of the things that, I woke up one morning and Brian Slack had texted me and he, you know, sent me the sheet that he used, you know, like that to gauge his team. And he just to show me um, how far I, I dropped in, 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 in a category, you know, like, you know, Oh, Hey, check out, this is how I keep the, you know, stats. And I'm like, Oh, wow, this is a beautiful sheet. And then you could see like instantly um, he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah. and all you got to do is go to the top and filter by color. And then it will drop out the stats and you could just see the percentages. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, he goes, and then, and then of course the last day in the text is like, you, you see, you'll instantly see how bad you drop in batting average or something like that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fucker, you know, I'm like, Oh, I do see it. But, it's, it's 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 good to see that in a snapshot of like you said, Doug, which which way your team is trending because you may not think you're making you know 
um, any any headway, but you can you can kind of get it uh, in a snapshot if you if you put it into the numbers. So you know, got to look at the numbers. And uh, like I said, I did. I'm I'm doing a better job of that this year. Just even looking at the weekly stats or the weekly overalls, and like you know, who had the most runs this right. this week, right. and you know, and um, I think it helps. You know, it's just uh, obviously there's there's only like between all the stuff we're consuming, there's only so much that we could look at, but. Uh, I mean, the perfect example is, you know, Victor Robles, right? I mean, he's been so bad. And then all of a sudden he has one week of three steals and gets a bunch of hits. And you look at, you look at your teams and say, wow, what a great plug he would be for the teams that need help in steals. Right. And and you bid on him and if you get him then you put him in your lineup and then basically he's a dead spot for the whole week or two weeks <laughs> or however long you hang on to him because you know he had his his birthday party week and you know and then it was over so <laughs> yep that's for sure um yeah victor robles is uh so you guys uh have any john birdie i mean he's been just unbelievable bags. Wow, birdie bags. bags. I have one. It's it's incredible what he's done, right? I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's. I have none. Yeah. I'm sure I got a couple. No birdie. Yeah. No birdie. Yeah, so you remember, remember, Rob, when you asked John if he has any, he has at least one of everybody. So you got to ask him if he has more than one. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I know. I don't know. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> Um, what did your what did your bench and your teams look like ideally um, in 15th and 12s? Uh, are you carrying a specific split of guys, or just team contextual, or like what do you like to keep on your bench typically? So I yeah. like to keep guys that are not dead. If you... <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. and there's yeah. been so many examples, you know, the COVID and some of the injuries I mentioned earlier, right? That you know, I used to carry all these guys that uh, I'm hoping are going to come back in a month or two and do all these great things, but all they do is end up giving you fewer and fewer uh, options, and so. While I still may have, um, you know, some guys that are hurt, you know, the Max Scherzer's types that you're hoping are going to come back. You know, the, the spreadsheet John talked about, he, you know, we code red the guys that are uh, hurt. And um, unless it's really a compelling reason to uh, hold them, then I'm trying to you know, enter each week with this close to 30 guys that may contribute this week, you know, either first half or second half of the week as, as possible, or I'm adding pitchers because I got two or three guys that have horrible starts and I just don't want to plug them in. So, um, you know, I'm going to save them to the following week sort of thing. Got it. Yeah, I, I think uh, this year there's plenty of uh, multi-position players, so that, that is helpful. But there are so many guys that are hurt again, and uh, it's hard to hold some of those guys. And uh, you only have to go through a, a portion of a week uh, or only do it a couple times to not have a full roster to really change your mind on, on how you structure your bench, right? Because uh, that's there's nothing worse than having to take the zero or plugging in an IL guy into your roster that 
you know, I had one week where I had to put Chris Bryan in and I didn't have anybody else for third base. And uh, that was, that was terrible. Right. So uh, yeah, you just uh, can't take those zeros and it shows up on your stats. If you are taking zeros and uh, you're, you're never going to avoid some pitcher zeros, but uh, you should hopefully be able to avoid hitting zeros. And I had a couple couple periods this year where I didn't avoid that. And uh, that's not a good move. So <laughs> I'm working <laughs> to correct that. Yeah. I had that this week where um, I very poorly projected Whitlock to start this week in my head. Yeah. And I, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I put him in there and it was, it was either that or Hauser against Toronto. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I threw him in there. I thought he was going to land that Thursday start with Cleveland because uh, I had read a couple of things saying like the reason yeah. why they're saying that he didn't need a rehab start was because it wasn't a real injury and that he, right. he just, he was ready to throw. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. But a couple of the, you know, projection tools and uh, starting yep. pitcher things had him in there too. So yeah, they did. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, yeah. I know. So that's why I was like, okay, <laughs> this isn't as stupid as a decision as I think it is. And then, <laughs> no, no, I think um, it was quite a few people that had started. And then it was a Tuesday night, I think. Uh, I checked my Twitter at like um, after I had done the podcast with Todd and Jason DuPont had DM'd me and, uh, uh, about something with Kike, we're, we're talking about Kike and when he might be oh, yeah. back, and um, and he goes, oh, and 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 Whitlock, something about Whitlock, and I went back and I read it, and I'm like, oh my god, what do you mean he's not starting? And during that podcast, you know, I had, uh, yeah. they had, you know, saying that he wasn't gonna be able to throw Thursday, and so I didn't get a chance to switch it out, but um, I don't know if I wanted to have put Hauser versus Toronto anyway. We'll see. Well, Doug- Doug has a solution for this, Rob. Just have like seven mil relievers on your team. Oh, that's you not that bad of a solution. <laughs> that's a bit of an exaggeration, but <laughs> but it is good to have, you know, somebody to plug in, right? I mean, it is. Yeah. you know, it seems like every time we count on somebody to come back, especially if they're supposed to come back, you know, late in the week, it doesn't happen for some reason, right? They get delayed, uh, you know, weather happens, a lot of things, you know, happen. Like I have a lot of Michael Kopech and, you know, he hurt his knee and then all of a sudden he was going to come back, you know, last Saturday or Sunday, maybe, but you just couldn't count on that. Mm-hmm. And I was glad I didn't. And he actually came back and pitched and I went, you know, oh crap, you know, I was wrong on this <laughs> one. And now he's going to throw a great game. And fortunately yeah. he threw a clunker. And so I really didn't miss <laughs> anything, but even when they do come back, it's, it's still, you know, then 50, 50 at best, whether they actually have a good performance or not. So, so you, so are you carrying a couple of the, middle relievers that are that are doing well this year kind of like the michael kings of the world or something more of like a speculative closer you know it's not so much it's somebody you can count on you know devin williams right. is probably the best example right yep. i mean um, yeah doug's got a lot of Devin. <laughs> you know that you know you can put those you can put those guys in and they're good and they're good pitchers yeah. you know sort of thing um Makes sense. Tanner Hawk's kind of been in that role. I know he's kind of moved into the closer, but you didn't know what 
even Ashby for Milwaukee before, you know, the guys got hurt was another, yep. you know, another good arm you know, sort of thing. Nick Martinez would be another one, right? He's kind of middle relief now, but still a good arm and pitching well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and I think like, um, especially if you can um, maybe catch a guy, you know, catch the schedule lining up, you know, you see maybe a guy, you know, might be due for an appearance on Monday or Tuesday or something, you know, he might be able to get two, two out of the pen that week. Um, kind of like what I was trying to do with Josh Fleming earlier this year before he turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, I tried that too. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was yeah. doing so good and he was popping uh, on all these, uh, everything, everywhere you looked, everyone was talking about Josh Fleming and said, what can go wrong? And, uh, <laughs> it went wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's not in the, not in the, not in the majors anymore. So, um, but, uh, really cool. So one last question for you guys. Um, how do you take, when you're not doing well, you know, is there a way to just say it is what it is? You know, just put your head down keep trying to grind away. How do you deal with any a, failure? Well, here, here's one. If you I have failure. <laughs> here's one. Um, so we have this uh, statement that we call poof, P-O-O-F, right? Okay. And that's when one of our starting pitchers, who leaves the game and he's in line for a win, all of a sudden the bullpen, you know, blows the game and, you know, you think you're going to get a win and now you don't, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just use this term, you know, poof, which which means that, uh, you know, we should have had a win and we didn't. And, and it just takes all the emotion out of, you know, rather than saying that this freaking bullpen for so-and-so just cost me a win and I can't ever get wins. And, you know, it's just kind of like, it's going to happen. It happens way too often. So it's, uh, you know, poof and on to the next one. Right. And um, mm -hmm. like today was Montas poof. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Like, without even giving up a hit that bullpen lost it yeah i mean it's like too off too often on that and you know yeah. the other advantage of us having way too many teams wrong <laughs> um right. you know when when somebody has a bad day then you just remind yourself well i have four of him and that means i don't have him on 16 other teams so let's be happy instead of sad <laughs> right Right. There is no, nothing. that's a good point. That's a very good point. Right. The worst, the worst thing is watching, you know, you're not sure about a pitcher or you've got a questionable start. You weren't really planning on using him for this week, but now an injury forced you to put him in and then to watch that game and to see him give up walks and then, you know, to see the pitcher just too bad. That's a, that's the worst watching it happen right in front of you when it's happening, when you, you weren't even sure about this pickup or that picture or pitching them for that game, you kind of forced yourself to do it. And then it, it goes bad. There's not a worse feeling to watch that, right? Like you just want the pitcher to be out of there, right? Get this yep. guy out. Don't let him go another inning. Yep. You know, but happens. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably the area where we feel the worst is when we, um, you know, we plan for things and then all of a sudden something changes and we have to play somebody we weren't planning on. 
Mm-hmm. Because we knew it was going to go bad. And now rather than taking a zero, we put them in and then we kind of say, well, maybe we've been better off with the zero or something. Like right. Yep. You know, so those sorts of things, um, or you, you get down, you make your best decision and I'm going to start pitcher A over B and it's the wrong choice or, you know, batter A. Uh, I mean, yep. it's kind of those decisions where you put all and, and I, I guess overall, we feel good that we probably make more good decisions than not. But you remember the painful ones the most, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I don't know why that I don't <laughs> like that part of my brain, but uh, it's uh, it's it's a thing that's definitely real for sure. Um, what do you guys think? Quick, quick question about some of the newer, you know, rookies or younger players in the league right now where do you think guys like julio rodriguez and bobby witt fall next year you think they i mean they look really good i really love uh yeah, their makeup so too I, to, just like they, yeah. they they have good approaches and they just seem like really humble young kids too so i love that perfect package but they they look really really good yeah there's some exciting talent right coming to the mlb that's great um, really is yeah and, and and it's good for the game I, I would say just in terms of fantasy, our, our drafting style is to avoid those uh, rookie players for the most right. part. So we we very seldom get to participate in that. Maybe on a 12-teamer, I'm more likely to – like I have a, a couple of wits on some 12s, but uh, um, I don't have any Julio Rodriguez at all on all my teams. So, uh, um, yeah, we miss on those uh, a lot of times. But overall, I think – it's okay that we miss on some of those, right? The, the track record of the young guys isn't the greatest. Uh, major league pitching is still very hard to hit, right? And uh, they, they typically don't do great. You know, there's always going to be a couple. And if we miss them, we miss them. It's kind of our approach on that. But right. Kind of more boring, uh, steady guys in terms of uh, the guys we target, right? So we're, we're more... Yeah, that's just our style. More Scott Jenstead style, right? I mm-hmm. think he, I hear him talking. That's the that's the other guy I should have mentioned when I talked about Zimmerman and our uh, Erickson and Zinke. Uh, Scott's Scott, great. Yeah, I love yep. listening to Scott. Yeah, right. we always have John and I always have discussion early on on the you know what we call the fear of missing out. You know, yep. Does that is that going to bother us or not? Right. right. Um, you know we've. We, for the, for all the reasons, uh, you know, that we evaluated, you know, didn't have any Vlad last year. You know, we didn't have Vlad the years before that either, and we were happy. And then we missed, you know, his great year this year. And then Witt was the same way. You know, he's going in this round above guys like proven guys like Corey Seager and Swanson and Adamas and, you know, guys like that. And, um, you know, who are we going to be uh, – happiest with and then even at the end of the main just like all of a sudden you know julio's people are taking Soaring. him in the fifth, fifth yeah. sixth round right you know at the yep. end of the main event sort of thing so you know at that point you know they have to do what they're doing now to even come close to uh to returning the value of where they were drafted right. but yep. i'm with john and they're exciting people and next year we'll see you know are they overhyped again or Right. No, we're not. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't get any wit. I got 
Julio Rodriguez in my second online championship. And it, it was uh March 20th, 20, yeah, 22nd, I think. Um, and I got him in the 23rd round. It was like right when he was competing for, you know, job in spring training. It wasn't a lock yet. And yeah. um I just like, you know, I was just like, you know what? Let me just take this shot, right? You know, because um, <laughs> it was late enough where I felt like it was still a good shot to take. You know, um, my worst team right I, now, I but it, it's same. not I his fault. <laughs> I did the same with Riley Green. I had I drafted several of him really, really late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then our style was by the time he finally was ready to play, I had none of him because I. You know, it'll be a good evaluation to see if, you know, carrying him on one of those bench spots for three months is, you know, better than, you know, dropping him and having somebody else for those three months and then having three months of production from him. That's that's always the trade-off, right? Right. Yeah. I got to think, too, for like next year, just taking a wild guess. If they if they come close to like a 25, 25 type season um, this year that they're going to be making noise to, you know, get in that at least the second round. Right. Yeah. And any any 25, 25 guy is going to bubble up in our formats. Right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Be interesting to see. I'm already waiting for, uh, I really can't wait for next year's draft season, but I know you guys get, <laughs> you guys have to get through football drafts first. Uh, you too, Rob, you're getting in football this year. Come yeah. On. I don't even know who's the first overall pick right now. Who's, who, who's the guy? Oh, I don't even know. I yeah. Know, okay. So. Good. All right. All right. So, <laughs> Probably Jonathan Taylor. So. Yeah. I think, yeah, I guess too. I think I got him in my keeper league. All right. That's a good start. Um, but I appreciate you guys joining me and giving me your time. Um, I'm always grateful for everyone who gives me any portion of their day. Cause it's really kind of you guys to do that. But um, another power packed episode, you guys always bring the heat and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. Hey yep. Rob, thank you. You do a great job. And um, it was, it's an honor to be on your show and, and as you can tell, we could talk baseball all night long. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the best part of this, right? You know, uh, Doug, I think you said in the beginning of the podcast, you're a little nervous, but in the end, it's just really, you know, once you get into the flow of talking about, you know, this, this cool hobby of ours, we, uh, we just, sm- you know, sail right into a, a smooth show. So um, I appreciate it so much guys and uh good luck the rest of your way and hopefully we'll all have wonderful success uh, at the end of the year so have a good night fellas Thanks. you also Rob. keep it up all righty folks thanks for tuning in to another episode of the poor hitter podcast really like to thank everyone as always for leaving a rating a review or just contacting me through email or twitter and uh get into talk fantasy baseball or baseball or life in general really cool to get to know a lot of um the listeners and fellow fantasy baseball hobby addicts um yeah really awesome uh really awesome venture hope everyone is doing well this summer and um yeah getting to do things they love with their friends and family so um with that being said just remember to not be a bag of shit right all you have to do like pretty much most of life is not being a bag of shit you know be nice simple as that you only get one life to live and uh that's it you know smarten the fuck up
All right.